Would you pray with me, please? Be with us this morning, God. Quiet our hearts. May our spirits be still that we might hear from you. Amen. Bombs continue to rain down on civilian locations all throughout Ukraine. Nearly 15 months since such barbarities began. Genocides and ethnic cleansings take place with alarming frequency all around the globe. Countries pass legislation condemning homosexuals to death simply for being gay. While many around the globe cheer this, if this as if somehow a good thing. Cancer still takes, on average, 10 million lives per year. While each day, an estimated 25,000 people die from starvation, 10,000 dying daily due to a lack of clean drinking water. Many of those entrusted with overseeing political governance give people less and less reason to trust their leadership, regardless of the nation in question, regardless of political party or philosophy. Moreover, as we live in an increasingly post-truth world, a world driven by technologies that we scarcely understand, let alone know how to properly engage and control, we, many of us, experience deeper and deeper feelings of uncertainty and despair. Because how on earth are we supposed to know what's really going on and what's really real anymore? Our public sense of value for basic human life seems to grow increasingly diminished. And by that I mean human life both before and after birth. Racism and prejudice prove daily to be even more insidious and even more intractable than most of us care to acknowledge and certainly more insidious and more intractable than most of us care to do anything meaningful about. And all anyone seems to want to do these days is fight about such things. Fight and accuse and malign. Because God forbid we aspire to decency and civility and compromise anymore. I mean, talk about a quick way to be ostracized from your own team these days. Yes, darkness and suffering and pain abound in the world today. And we haven't even begun to scratch the surface on such individual, interpersonal things as death of loved ones and infidelities of spouses and betrayals by closest friends and losses of jobs, and crippling addictions, and on, and on, and on. Yes, in the beginning, God created this world and called it good. And no doubt, there is still abundant goodness herein. But so too, alongside that goodness, and far too often obscuring our vision of that goodness, is an amount of darkness and suffering and pain that can leave us feeling breathless and speechless and utterly bereft. That can leave us asking with the Apostle Paul, what then are we to say about such things? You know, in a world of so much tragedy and pain, a world of so much brokenness and injustice, 
In such a world, I think prayer can get a bad rap. By which I mean when tragedy happens and when folks publicly respond to that tragedy by saying, we'll be praying, such statements tend to get quickly and easily dismissed, as they oftentimes deserve to be. For in the face of tragedy or injustice, it costs one very little to say, we'll be praying. Pray, yes, the retort comes, but do something too. Fight for change. Reach out to lend comfort, etc., etc. And to be perfectly clear, I agree with sentiments such as these, having often said and preached such things myself. But here's something that I want to encourage us of this morning when it comes to prayer, and particularly when it comes to prayer in the face of tragedy and suffering and injustice. Let us be rightly suspicious of pious platitudes about prayer, yes. But let us not be wrongly suspicious about the power of prayer when so doing. Today is the second sermon in our four-week sermon series on the intercessory work of Jesus Christ. And while last week we focused on the intercessory work of the risen Jesus as it pertains to interpersonal relationships, today I want us to focus on the intercessory work of the risen Jesus as it pertains to the healing and the restoration of this entire broken creation. Now, we are hardly the first people to ever grieve over the broken state of the world, over the amount of tragedy and suffering and injustice that takes place herein. No, in Romans chapter 8, written some 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul gives crystal clear voice to the same sense of grief that we feel today when he writes, quote, that all of creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but that we ourselves groan too. From there, Paul goes on, to enumerate a litany of things that made people groan in his day. And these are things that make us still groan today. War, hunger, persecution, poverty, homelessness, suffering, violence. It's all too much, Paul in effect says here in Romans chapter 8. So much and so overwhelming, he says, that we sometimes know not how even to pray. But it's then, Paul finishes, it's then in such moments of unspeakable overwhelm that if our faith and our hope are placed in the risen Jesus, that then the Spirit of Christ can and will intercede for us with, quote, sighs too deep for words. Sighs too deep for words. It's one of my favorite phrases in the entire Bible. For is it not true? Does it not often feel as if the things going on around us, the things in the wider world and the things in our own personal lives are just too much? Just too overwhelming. 
just too complex and broken to ever be put back right, just too big to even articulate, let alone know how to fix. I feel that way sometimes. On some level, I feel that way all the time. Consequently, the point that I want to make today about the intercessory work of the risen Jesus is this. It's okay not to know at all times how to pray. Paul says as much in Romans 8. And it's okay to be overwhelmed and to feel at times utterly defeated. Paul says it in that passage as well. But if we truly do believe in the resurrection of Christ Jesus, and if we truly do believe in His heavenly exaltation, then we must nevertheless, despite all of that, still be quick to pray, and likewise must still be quick to hold fast to hope. For we don't have to know how to pray in order for our deepest longings to be heard and acted upon and realized just as we don't have to feel presently optimistic in order to retain hope in the power of love and grace and justice to flourish in a broken world. There's a famous line that Martin Luther King Jr. delivered in the 1965 march from Selma in which he, quoting 19th century pastor Theodore Parker, famously said, The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. It's an inspiring quote, no doubt, and it rests upon a faith claim. That faith claim being this. No one can prove that over time, humanity and the world will indeed keep moving toward ever greater realizations of justice or of love or of kindness or of forgiveness or of reconciliation. No one can prove that this will happen. And yet in so many ways, we do see just that. Oh, one can't see such realities in the moment, not usually. For such things unfold slowly in nonlinear fashion. Gains here, setbacks there. Progress and healing happening in zigzag fashion. But such things do happen. Progress is made. Healing does take place, and this on both collective and individual levels. Hatreds and prejudices can and sometimes do slowly give way to deepening levels of appreciation and understanding. Pains that once felt so acute we didn't think we'd ever be able to breathe again can and sometimes do over time become more manageable and less debilitating. Make no mistake, the arc on such things, both individual and collective, is indeed long. But that arc does indeed bend toward healing and restoration. 
And the point of mentioning all of this this morning is simply to say that when we are in the throes of despair or walking through the thick of the darkness, it can seem virtually impossible for us to believe that that ark can and does indeed bend. But bend it does. And the point of this sermon is to remind us that prayer is a vital resource in that bending. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, the Apostle Paul writes. For when we know what to pray for, the Spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. We have spent many Sunday mornings as a church family thinking about how the world as it is is not the way it's supposed to be. About how there is indeed a design for this world and about how things right now are way out of alignment with that design. The grand hope at the center of our faith is that one day, through a divine act of power and love and grace, the Spirit of God will transform the wreckage of this world and restore it to wholeness and flourishing. And meanwhile, part and parcel of that hope is the trust that all gradual approximations in the here and now of that healing and restoration will be drawn up into that which God is preparing for that eternal tomorrow. And thus we as people of faith, looking to the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus as both the model of and the promissory note for this coming reality, we as a people of faith thus set our sights on an eternal future in which all rights will be wronged and in which darkness will be flooded with light. And then working backward from that hopeful vision, we thereby trust that the risen Jesus, that the glorified fully human being on our behalf is even now at the right hand of God, and we trust that he is indeed interceding for us today. That is, working within the processes of history and working amid the complexities of human nature to pull this creation and with it to pull our own groaning humanity ever onward toward that unspeakable glory about which words cannot even begin to describe. And so in a world where bombs rain down on hospitals, and where gross discriminations continue apace, and where people die daily without basic provisions, and where warring and fighting and bickering become public sport. In such a world, yes, we must do more than simply pray for fairer conditions or for the cessation of tragedy or for the experience of peace. Yes, we must indeed do whatever we possibly can to try to fix such things and bring healing. But that being said, in so doing, we must not overlook and we must not undervalue just how significant prayer can be in the face of such immensities as these. 
Because the nature of Christ Jesus' intercessory work on our behalf is directly connected to the healing and restoration of such immensities as these. And because when we know how to pray for such things, His Spirit does. And therefore, when we humble ourselves before Him, His Spirit will indeed intercede for us in precisely the ways that we and our world most need, spurring us to action, yes, but even more significant than that, working through us and working through others and working through nature and working through all other sorts of created processes to slowly bend the arc of this broken world back in line with the way things were designed to be. Intercession. Intercession. It's one of those biblical words that over time has lost its magisterial power. And it's high time that we rediscover what immense power there is in it. Intercession. So often, dear family, in a broken world such as this, we know not how to pray. But there in God's dimension right now is one of our own. The first fruits of our redeemed humanity. Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. One who is able to intercede for us in our human weakness. And speak for us in our existential uncertainty. With sighs too deep for words. And he still has many things to say to do. To say to us and to do for us as he prepares this creation for his return and with it for his own eternal dwelling. And meanwhile, we, just as his first disciples then, we cannot now bear all that he has to say and do among us. But even in our overwhelm, the Holy Spirit, his risen glorified spirit, will indeed lead us and with us this entire groaning creation into all truth, just as it will lead us into all justice and all healing and all peace and all transformation. If we believe this, if we truly believe these things that the risen Jesus has promised us, then dear family, these are truly remarkable things to consider and to contemplate. So what then shall we say about such things? Here's what I propose we say. I propose we say in prayerful thanksgiving, all thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord, our certain hope in the face of a broken world that is even now being bent back through divine intercession toward the advent of God's eternal tomorrow. And all God's people said, Amen. And I will now be down front to